Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so this term we're trying something a little bit new as a way of um, kind of learning new stuff, meeting some new people, breaking out of your comfort zones. Ooh. Um, and so we've uh, developed a little thing called Streams, which really we're kind of piloting, we're giving it a go. Um, and if it goes really well this term, and if you uh, love them and you all come to them and they're great, um, then we'll try and do something similar um, into the future a little bit as well. But they'll be great. We've got kind of four options for you to try. And basically the idea is have a look through um, the list of available streams and we'll email it round to those of you that we've got the email addresses of as well. And if one catches your eye that you're like, oh, I'd love to go deeper with that, I'd love to learn that, then come along, come along. They're, most of them are like six weeks long, seven weeks long. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and so one of them is a book group, and that will be led by me. Um, and we're going to uh, meet at an un, as yet undisclosed location and go through an excellent book on prayer by Pete Gregg. So if you want to deepen your prayer life and you don't really know how, you're a bit stuck, or you just want to uh, read a book together with friends or think a little bit about the theology of prayer, um, come and gather. We're going to do six weeks going through this book together. You will be expected to read it and to have a copy. Um, but it will be a great time of learning and praying together. Um, you can buy one from Conrad. Conrad's got some copies at the back. Thank you so much. That's even better than paper, uh, even better than a phone. Um, there's also, of course, um, a stream called Going Glocal, um, which is about asking the question of what is God saying to me? What's he wanting to do in my life? And if you want to spend six consecutive uh, weekday uh, Thursday evenings, um, thinking about that question, what's my part in God's mission? Um, excellent question to ask, and you want to work it through with people who are used to helping people answer those questions, then come to Going Glocal. Uh, that's on Thursday evenings, beginning on the 2nd of October. Um, then we've got a monthly kind of thing, which is beginning this week, which is like an evening just to get really into a theological topic. Um, and this week, we're appropriately starting with the excellent Steve Latham coming to share on what is theology. Theology. I split that into two words. Theology. It should be theology, shouldn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, so come to that. That will be uh, great. Um, and then if you are interested in kind of a discipleshipy, basedy uh, group, maybe you've done Alpha a couple of times, you're newish to Christian faith, or you're coming back to kind of the church or whatever, um, then read, mark, learn will be a great thing to do. And that's with um, Nigel. So there's these kind of options. Please don't feel the pressure. Please don't feel like you have to do it. Um, if you want to, we're trying to leave it really open. So if you want to um, like invest in a stream and that means like, oh, maybe I need to drop out of house group for like three weeks or whatever, um, then you can do that, but we're not trying to encourage that. So just whatever works for you um, this term. And then we'll kind of gauge it. We'll probably ask you some questions at the end of the term about what you'd find helpful going forward. And I've already talked for too long about this, haven't I? Yeah, um, but great. It's going to be really fun. We're looking forward to it. It's just trying something, isn't it? Um, so great. Good. It's good to see you. Uh, these few weeks we're looking at uh, Forest Hill values, and we had an exercise on the leadership team uh, to look at some of those. And I want to present the first one to you today. But at the start, I want to put up this cartoon that came across Facebook this way. I don't know if you can see it. The, the Martian comes down with a ladder with a sign saying, take me to your leader. And the human says, you sort of come at a bad time. Uh, it's getting even more desperate, isn't it? Uh, where are the leaders? For years, I've thought of, there's an old Alpha joke, if you've done the Alpha course, uh, where I think it's, it's got kind of Jewish roots to this story. A man falls off a cliff 
and he reaches his hand up and clings to a branch growing out the side of a cliff. And he's hanging precariously and looking down. And that prompts him to think, you know, maybe there's a God. And uh, he cries out, is there anyone up there? And he hears a voice in reply. And the voice says, yep, let me, trust me, and let go. And then he says again, is there anyone else up there? And uh, obviously that applies in that situation, but it's made me think of leadership. And you just think, is there anyone else up there? And, yeah, someone comes along, and then the next person comes along, you think, they're, they're worse. Um, and I also put up a, a cartoon on Facebook this week that said, uh, there's only three more prime ministers till Christmas. <laughs> but it's really it's serious, isn't it? And we need to be praying for that. We can spend some time praying for our nation tonight we desperately need good leadership we need truth in the public square but one thing that is wonderful is i've got no embarrassment in saying that jesus is my leader jesus is our lord he's the rightful king of this world and this universe everything centers around him and there's absolutely no embarrassment at all about saying we love jesus and he's a worthy king. He's not running the world in the way of power and manipulation and barefaced lies. He comes in truth and humility. And it's wonderful to follow Jesus. It may not be easy to just to kind of say that at work or say that in the office. But it's, it's wonderful to know in our hearts. And maybe we do need to, to speak up more and say, yes, I'm praying in Jesus' name for better leadership in our nation and while things are looking precarious, while things seem to be getting worse, I'm glad that I know Jesus and he loves me. He's the foundation for my life. And it's wonderful in this kind of crisis to look to Jesus. Jesus is inspirational. He's full of love for us. He's full of humility. He's full of grace. He's full of justice. And that's the foundation stone for our church. I've got a few verses from Colossians we could uh, go to all sorts of other places. Maybe we can read this out together. Colossians 1, together. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And it's wonderful to know Jesus in that way and to declare that Jesus is supreme and Lord of all. I've been to two funerals in the last 10 days, and sometimes funerals help you to reflect on what's most important in life. And uh, as some of you know, Yvonne's mother died, and I took the funeral uh, about 10 days ago. And a family tribute was written, and Yvonne's youngest sister read it out. And this is one of the things that she said in the family tribute. People often say that as you grow older, you turn into your mother. When I hear that, I think, I hope so. 
because my man has always been a great example of things that matter most. Mam's faith in God was the foundation for everything else in life. She became a Christian when she was 14 years old, and from that point, her priority was always to do what she believed was right in God's eyes. On occasions in discussions, Mam would say, well, I don't know about that, but I do know that the thing that's most important is your relationship with Jesus. And the whole service was a, a fitting tribute. And we want to say that we want to affirm that the most important thing is your relationship with Jesus. He is King and Lord of all. He's the image of the invisible God. Everyone, everything was created by him and for him. And so above our value statement, we say this, we're a diverse church. Look around. Pretty diverse lot, aren't you? Obviously, the younger generation, a lot of them have gone out, so including them, uh, people from uh, noughts to getting on towards 90, hopefully. We're a diverse church centered on Jesus. And our values uh, are in the light of that. We aim to be a church where Jesus is front and center. It doesn't mean we don't believe in Father and Holy Spirit as well, but if you look at Jesus, if you see him as the image of the invisible God, if you go to Jesus, then you'll know the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father as well. Jesus' attitudes, his love, his teaching, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his headship of the church is absolutely crucial. And Sunday mornings aren't about the wisdom of Nigel Desborough, if it were, I wouldn't want any of you to come back next week. <laughs> it's about Jesus. It's having Jesus front and center. The next slide, I was away on uh, sabbatical three years ago. Sorry, go back one. You've jumped already. You're getting ahead of me. Uh, and this, pro this chorus, if I had to pick one from those three months away, it was this one. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. It will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. Let's know that. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? If you're a Christian, if you've put your faith and trust in God, isn't that such an obvious thing? But let's make it a reality. Let's make it our focus. And I, I want it to be the reality in my life. I can spend so much time listening to political chaos on the radio or listening to music or all sorts of things. So I want it to be a reality that at the heart of all that is the person of Jesus and he's uh, the center of my life. And with that, we felt there are four values we wanted to affirm. And the first one, as you've already heard from Eleanor, is everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. And that's a wonderful thing. And we're saying that each person is an image bearer of God and is loved, invited, and sought by Jesus. Each person is an image bearer of God and is loved, invited, and sought by Jesus. And that came through that song that Luke led us in. And in his proclamation, Jesus was very invitational, wasn't he? We've had the summer series on a few parables uh, and one of them in Matthew 22 says this, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a king who 
who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. And then those guests refused. And then it says, the king said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. And the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. That's a wonderful thing. Maybe this is not quite a wedding banquet here. But I just wanted to have this table of fruit and food. We are going to eat it at the end of the service. So increasingly in the next 10 minutes, you might be saying, shut up, Nigel, and sit down. I want to get to that banqueting table. But this is just a little symbol of the good things that God has prepared for us. I see Sheila over there. Sheila works at King's College Hospital, and uh, she always brings other nurses with her. So uh, at house group the other week, uh, there were a couple of nurses, and they were getting married. And uh, as, as kind of joke, I said, uh, how many people come into your wedding? They were going back to India. Uh, and I thought they might have a, you know, two or three hundred. So I said, hey, you're getting a thousand people to your wedding, ha ha. And the first one said, I think it'd be about 1,200. <laughs> and I thought I was kind of exaggerating to the ridiculous point of joking. But uh, I think the weddings went well, didn't they? And they probably did get 1,200 people. So this isn't really a wedding banquet. I've gotten these two tables here. But it is a symbol of God's great banquet. And God is good. He's prepared good things for us. He wants people to come and enjoy the banquet. And spiritually, we can experience spiritual cleansing we can experience forgiveness we can experience healing we can find meaning and purpose in life if we come to the banquet and jesus puts out that invitation to everyone and i hope you're there responding to that invitation and if you haven't actually done that in your heart you could do that even now yes lord jesus i want to be part of the wedding feast i want to be part of your banquet but we want to be those people that are opening the doors to others as well when we go around in our lives. Everyone is welcome. Let's look at the next slide. Some verses that struck me. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that's God's heart. He doesn't want people to be lost he doesn't want people to perish. He doesn't want people to suffer in life. He doesn't want people to suffer loss and not enjoy eternal life. He wants everyone to come to him to find repentance and to find faith. John six thirty seven. whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Again, that's the heart of God, open and welcoming and not wanting to drive anyone away. That's the heart of God in Jesus and then one other verse, we could have put many up. Ephesians 1 and verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And that's a favorite phrase of Paul, who God used to write down a lot of the New Testament, being in Christ. There's an invitation that's gone out, and you can be in him. You can be included. You've heard the gospel message. You respond to it, and you're welcome. You're included. 
Everyone just needs to accept that generous invitation. So I say again, if you haven't done that yet, please do today. Please pray. So if that's the heart of God, if God's an invitational God, if Jesus made a way for us to come to him, if he died on the cross to forgive us, he rose again to give us new life, are we welcoming? Am I welcoming? And I think there's two problems and two issues potentially one is that people exclude themselves and it's sad but it's their right to and the other that we can do something about is I try and exclude other people and that's an issue that I need to deal with before God people have choice and sadly some people exclude themselves the invitation goes out Jesus has died for all and people say if you look at some of the parables we we looked at They say, I'm not coming, I've got more important things to do, I've just got a new job, I've just got married, I've just bought a house, I can't come to the banquet. I'm not ready, I'm not going to be there. People self-exclude. And sometimes the biggest problem is that people exclude themselves out of a sense of self-righteousness. I don't need God, I don't need God's forgiveness, I'm okay. That's the biggest problem Jesus had, particularly with religious people. They excluded out of their own self-righteousness. And there were two men praying. You know that story as well. One said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And the other one said, thank you. I'm not like him. I'm okay. And where did Jesus say the person that came close to God was? The one that thought he wasn't worthy, not the one that was self-righteous. I think there can be a real sense of entitlement, can't there? And that, I think that excludes people when they feel entitled. It's, it's kind of mine. I was talking to uh, a woman, used to be in the church years ago, and her husband treated her really badly. And then one day he suddenly disappeared off to the home country that they originally came from. And she, they had four young children And she was running out of money. She was trying to contact him. He said he was going back to visit family. And then the week went by and two weeks and three weeks. And she was getting uh, short of money and she couldn't get through to him. Eventually, she got through to his father out in this country. uh, And, uh, yeah, I want to talk to him. No, you can't talk to your husband. Well, yeah, what about me? And what about the kids? You even forget about me. What about the kids? We're running out of money. And the father said this, you live in England the queen can pay. You live in England, the queen can pay. We're taking no responsibility. Your husband doesn't want to take any responsibility for his and your children. A sense of kind of entitlement. I saw uh, recently a a cartoon or something, possibly in private eye, that talked about someone who had an an Eton advent calendar. Eton as in E-T-O-N, the public school and an Eton advent calendar, all the doors are opened by your father's contacts. There's a real entitlement mentality. People feel a pride. And in the parable of the two sons, the one who ran off and squandered the inheritance, when he came to his senses, came back straight into the father's arms. And the one who had a sense of self-righteousness and entitlement just didn't get it, didn't get the father's love, couldn't feel the Father's embrace. And so people can exclude themselves, they're not interested, or they think they're okay. And God says, please don't, please don't. And if you know people like that, or if you find that in your heart, then let's get rid of that attitude.
But what about me? If God's opened his arms wise and extended a generous invitation, am I excluding other people? Am I thinking, well, it'd be really good if she was part of what God was doing, but that guy, uh, yeah, I just don't like him, don't like where he's coming from. I don't think he should be included here. And that could come across consciously. It can come across unconsciously. We've got blind spots. But I really would pray that we're a church that is saying everyone's welcome. And if Jesus is opening an invitation to others, then we've got a heart that's going to reflect that and open an invitation to others as well. And we might not be like that. I might be thinking, Arsenal fans, should we really have any of them around here? That's a problem to me. You might be thinking, they voted Brexit. Can I be in fellowship with them? They come from a different country. They were in prison. I don't trust them to be thinking like that. And one of the things I love from the Alpha film series is those stories of people that have met Jesus in prison. Uh, One of the ones I remember, a guy got caught up in gangs and then seriously injured some people, majorly injured someone, grievous bodily harm, and he was in prison. But he met Jesus there. And as the story unfolds, uh, a minister went to visit him each week And at the crucial point where he was coming out of prison, that's a really crucial point. A lot of people go back into crime, back onto the streets at that point. This minister said, you can come and live in my house. He took him into his own home. And the story unfolds that he eventually married the minister's daughter and became a Christian worker himself. But what a heart. You know, would I have said, you've been in prison you ruined that guy's life. You damaged his legs. Uh, yeah, get, get lost. Go away. But this minister visited him week in, week out, invited him to his own home, and he's now his son-in-law. I just want that heart, that heart that's in Jesus. We can push people away. We can exclude them. Maybe one, one type of person we can safely exclude. Pedophiles. Terrible. Let's, let's condemn them. But people have struggles, and what if they acted on their feelings? That would obviously be wrong, and we need to have safeguarding in church. But is anyone really fully beyond the love and the help and the healing of God? Are we just saying, close the door, we don't like you, it's safe to exclude you? Or are we willing to open our hearts and our homes when it's right, give our time and our effort to helping everyone discover Jesus, to find their place at the banquet, to be welcomed in to the family of God. Is anyone beyond the power of Jesus to transform and to give new life to? Who am I excluding? What are my prejudices? And the passage Eleanor read at the start, a really good passage from James. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes in to your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves 
and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. And we might say, I'm not impressed by Mr. Rich Person. I'm caring for the poor. But it might not be those categories. There might be other things in our heart and mind, our prejudices. And in the history of the church, women have often been excluded from playing roles that they could have played. And we may have uh, wrong thoughts towards people of different races, different backgrounds. But God wants us to be challenged and to overcome those prejudices. You can say, I can read that, I'm fine with that. I'd be open and kind to a poor. I wouldn't be impressed with a rich man. But there's other prejudices that we are subject to. And if we're going to be a church that says everyone is welcome, we need to be willing for God to challenge our prejudices. I came across an article in a national newspaper, and sometimes it's hard to to see good Christian articles in papers, but this was one. And uh, there's a couple there. I'll just tell you their story briefly. And it was on, in two parts of a national newspaper just last week. Uh, the guy there is called Pete Portal, and he's a white middle-class guy from South London. A decade ago, he felt called to South Africa. He met a fellow Christian called Sarah, and they got married and set up home on a bleak street in a violent shantytown neighborhood of Cape Town in South Africa. And he said this, opening our house to gangsters and drug addicts seeking a cleaner life is probably the best decision we made. The reaction is usually to want to lock these guys up, but the truest response we can find to being white and privileged in a segregated city in an unequal nation is to move towards them and embrace them as family. We've made close friendships with young men society tells us to build higher walls to keep out. We're told they belong in jail, but we believe they belong in family. And that's what they're doing in their life and ministry. And they finish off by saying this, we do not see ourselves bringing the gospel to gangsters Living with former gangsters brings the gospel to us. We have the truth of Jesus' teaching demonstrated to us as we witness young men detoxing off heroin through the power of prayer. We see an alternative brotherhood based on the Beatitudes. We hear the cries of intercession rise day and night from our prayer room, and we watch weeping mothers vouch for the transformation of their sons. That's wonderful, people that are breaking through those barriers, people that are opening up their hearts, and they're finding they're blessed because they're extending that welcome that Jesus would extend to all. And we need to take that on board. Am I that welcome? Am I open to others? Do I care? Am I prepared to give my time to be like Jesus and to be open-hearted and invite people to come to know God? 
And I want to apologize to God and anyone else for all the times I've failed in doing that, all the bad judgments I've made, all the ways I've misrepresented him. Um, I've got uh, a friend I'm getting to know, and uh, he's not that interested in coming to church. But in conversations, you can get, kind of get behind the, no, I'm not interested, can't you? And Gary will know who I'm talking about in a minute. And uh, he's it, probably about 60-ish now. Uh, but he was remembering a time years and years ago, he and his wife had a baby. The little boy was quite sickly and poorly and, yeah, kind of going back 30 years or whatever. He didn't pull through and he died at six weeks old. And then they, him and his wife got a visit from the local priest and the priest came to their door and said, God moves in a mysterious way. He only takes the best. And before he punched him, <laughs> he shut the door. But he's never let go of that. And that man that's supposed to represent God has done damage to that family. It still resonates in his heart today. Hopefully he can find the love and acceptance of Jesus and get over that. But that wasn't representing God in the right way. And in more simple ways, I was talking to a friend. He's a lecturer at Bible College but he said he went to church, and then after church, they have coffee time. And he said he was talking to his wife at coffee time, and everyone else was just ignoring them. And he, he expects a bit more than that if we're going to really be radical and have an opening heart like Jesus. Then we ought to be able to give each other time in settings like this. And it really irks me when you kind of see people, you go to churches, and you see people that know each other chatting to each other. <laughs> And you look around and you can see people in isolation that are new and no one's talking to them. We need to be welcoming. And we need to be willing for people to play their part. God gives everyone a part to play in the body. He distributes spiritual gifts as he pleases to each person. And everyone should use their God-given gift and take their God-appointed place. And we need to be careful not to exclude people by making wrong human judgments we want to do well we want to see people come to know jesus we want to extend god's welcoming heart we want to welcome new people shout out to the welcome team thank you for welcoming people today we want to welcome new people and we want you to tell us if if we're failing we've all got blind spots we've all got needs we all get it wrong we're all failing so we, what we want to say last slide is everyone's welcome each person is an image bearer of god and is loved invited and sought by jesus and this verse romans 15 verse 7 to finish with welcome one another therefore just as christ has welcomed you for the glory of god welcome one another just as christ has welcomed you and that gives glory to god I'd like to finish, if we can, in some worship. And I'd like us to kind of act on this by coming to the table at the front. And it's great because all the, the kids and young people are out, so we get <laughs> first go. They are our hoovers to take everything that we don't eat. Uh, I've actually got a bit more than is on the table, so don't feel that you can't have what you want. Let's come forward to the banquet in the context of worship. Let's mingle together. Let's take something to eat.
But also in this, in this last five, ten minutes, if you feel you want to shake hands with someone, put your arm on someone's shoulder, if you want to pray for someone, or you need prayer, then let's do that around the table. Uh, it's up there so you can see it. Obviously, some people may not be able to climb onto the stage. So let's, let's feed each other as well. Let's uh, ask others, what would you like? And come and collect it for them. But let's feel that, that we're welcoming one another as a sign that everyone is welcomed to come to know Jesus. And we want to be a people that knows how to welcome people in. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your wonderful invitation. We thank you that there's a banquet prepared. We thank you there's a great feast. Uh, we thank you it's not for the rich and the powerful, the people that the world celebrates. It's not for the greatest celebrities. It's for everyone. It's particularly for the downtrodden, for the people that are marginalized, for the people we might look down on. It's for everyone, Lord Jesus. Lord, we confess where we've uh, written people off, put people down, misjudged people. And Lord, we ask you to work in our hearts today to be the people that are welcoming others in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.